I'm Dino Busalaki, the Chief Technology Officer and OT Guy at Delta Technology. Hi, I'm Jim, the COO and IT Guy. And I'm Craig Duckworth, President and CEO. You're listening to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Show. In each episode, we bring you the inside scoop on the world of industrial cybersecurity. We talk about everything you don't know. That you should know. So plug in and power up. The show's about to get started. Hi, I'm Dino Busalaki. I'm the Chief Tool Pusher, I mean, Chief Technology Officer at Delta Technology. And today, I'm working with one of my colleagues, and his name is... Allegedly, Jim Cook, what I consider myself as the COO here at Delta Technology, the former IT guy. So welcome, everyone, to today's podcast, where we'll be talking about... What are we talking about today, Dino? We're going to talk about OT and IT asset inventory and what the differences are between these two environments. We're going to share some pictures with you to demonstrate the environment that we are talking about. So if for those of you that are pursuing security frameworks, NIST being one of them, everybody knows that the number one security tenant is asset inventory. So the question is, is how do you obtain asset inventory of your industrial control systems or OT assets, as some people like to classify them, comparing that to IT? Yeah, and I'll get to take the IT perspective, being a former IT guy. For those of you that don't know, that's where I came from. You know, and I go way back and when I joined the organization years ago, I was that IT guy, right? I was that IT guy where, frankly, there's a lot of surprises. So uh, I'll take that perspective along the way as we discuss a bit of the differences between getting to IT inventory management and OT inventory management. Well, I wouldn't sell yourself short. I mean, you've been in the field. I mean, for those of you that know us, we consider ourselves as practitioners, meaning that we work in these environments. So we wear the uniform, as I call it. The uniform consists of safety, PPE, you know, your personal protection equipment, hard hats, safety glasses, safety shoes, high vis, maybe fire retardant if you're working in a refinery, depends. So that being said, I'm going to give you a little bit of a taste of the type of environment that we're looking for. Dino, you were just mentioning the whole PPE thing. And the thing that I want to bring up is, let's just say I didn't never had steel toe shoes before I started working with you here. And that's our biggest issue in IT was getting the IT guys to wear closed toe shoes, much less steel toe shoes, wearing pants and not shorts. And that was our uniform. Well, even as recent as last week, on a job, IT people involved, both from the vendor and from the client perspective, and we're getting ready to go out and do the tour on the plant floor. When I say tour, it's just not to go out there visually look at their environment. It is to go in there and tear into this environment. It's out there for hours, opening panels, doing shutdowns, lockout, tagout procedures, de-energizing equipment so we can get into it. And the IT people show up and they don't have safety shoes and they can't get out on the floor. They can walk right up to that concrete from the carpet and they look and go, oh, I can't go out there. Yeah. That in itself should demonstrate to some degree of the challenges that we see when it comes to inventory in these environments. So if you don't show up prepared to get out there, they're not going to let you out there because safety's job one. Right. Yeah, I know Dina's equipped me with our company, Hard Hat, now. And some of my friends that, let's just say, work in industrial environments for the first year kind of made fun of my Hard Hat because it wasn't dirty enough. 
and could spot me a mile away. But before you get into pictures, man, I know you want to show these pictures. And those for me were an eye opener, just pictures alone. And then it's a real eye opener doing it yourself, which again, like we said, we've been doing this for years now. I just want to, from an IT perspective, one of the things that I found was a pretty big surprise. IT up to now has pretty good inventory management. That's kind of SOP, standing operating procedure. As I got into this, and it was early on getting into this, and you were talking inventory management. I'm like, well, well, they're engineers, man. They probably got an inventory. I mean, these engineers are detail-oriented. Why wouldn't they have an inventory? We're a bunch of IT guys. We got our inventory. Why wouldn't the engineers have their inventory? Well, they don't. And to me, that was a big surprise. We'll just link into what your engineers have on the floor. That They don't know. They go, well, that'd be great. Can we get inventory management from an IT perspective? Man. Oh, that's step one, admitting that you have a problem. And the problem is it doesn't exist in the engineering space. So now how do you get to it? And there's a chain of custody issue. OEMs, for example, who have responsibility for maintaining and supporting that equipment. And they will do everything they can most times, a lot of times, to keep the client who actually owns the asset, whose property this machine center is sitting in, and they can't touch it. From a controls perspective, they can't modify it. They can't determine that they need to update it. They can't determine that they want to put cybersecurity technology in or to better understand their cybersecurity hygiene. So the negotiations at that level on the chain of custody of this equipment is coming into question as we start digging into this. Because what a lot of manufacturers are realizing, once you start putting this visibility and asset inventory into place, well, now it keeps everybody honest. And so if you've got an environment that's been sketchy or what the plant manager say to us last week, it's flaky, right? <laughs> flaky. The environment's that's very a technical flaky. engineering term, yeah. I think, flaky. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, I got people from all over the world, and he means from all over the world, mm-hmm. that have access to his plant floor control systems that help him keep that thing tuned and tweaked and running. You're talking about a very complicated piece of equipment that's making high-end complex machines. So they're using machine centers to make machines to... That being said, the OEM with these odd and in ways to get into these environments and nobody's the wiser what they're doing. IT would never, IT has a pretty good handle on the assets that they're responsible for. Yeah, yeah. Right? let me just interrupt you even from that perspective where you're saying, okay, these machines are in, they're protected from the OEM or the SI, they're connected to your network. It would be almost like from an IT perspective, someone coming in and putting virtuals up on your servers. They're putting up virtuals and they tell you, you can't get in here, you can't see inside here, and we'll tell you what you need to know. And you've got no idea no, what's running no in your network. Right. And that's what inventory management is ultimately driving to from the IT side is, well, you got to have that basis so you can manage the risk and get your vulnerabilities out of it. But it's almost like that. So, but that's the world they've lived in. So that's why engineers are, you see that big box with probably a bunch of stuff in it? Yeah, we don't know what's in it, but we know it's connected to the network. We're just focused on what it produces and not everything inside of it. That's a tough concept for the IT, my IT mind, and I'm assuming others that have been in this space to grasp. And once you grasp that, then the doors start opening up to really understand what those challenges are. You ready to share your pictures yet? So this is one panel. This isn't a bunch of panels. This is one. 
So all of this equipment, you got drives, you got other control systems, drives, you got switches, you got remote access technology, and it's connected to the plant network. It has its own network. And when you sit down and you look at this thing, again, we're still in the same box. We haven't moved out of the one panel. And you can find 50 of these in a manufacturer. You know, take a 500,000 square foot manufacturing facility, you can literally find 40 or 50 of these panels and machines out there in your environment. So asset inventory to us is twofold. One is to physically take a look at what's out there and start mapping it out. What's your control system architecture? What kind of networking equipment are you using? In some of these plants we go into, we'll find a dozen different Ethernet industrial switches of different stripes, different manufacturers embedded in these machine centers, connecting this stuff up. And there can be cellular modem in there. There can be Wi-Fi in there. We find USB flash drives that are in there that they might be using for backups or for updating. They just leave in there. Like I said, it's connected to the plant network. So for those that think that this environment is isolated, is a mistake. While you have this up, I'm going to put this channel. So you guys are from the IT side. I think who's ever listening or watching this, I hope that someone is. And I hope you recognize I got my hair cut today and it's turning out okay. But... From the IT perspective, one of the things that is very common to get your inventory management is scanning and or combination of scanning and agents on the endpoints. Well, if you're from the IT perspective, you're going, what in the world are these things that I'm looking at? But if you look closely enough in some of those pictures, there are network connectivity. The thing that you've got here, yeah, you've got all these devices and the network's running up and down these panels and some of these devices. The thing that you have here is you don't have normal devices that the IT world does. You've got different types of OT devices and we've mentioned them throughout, but well, there you go, HMIs, right? Oh, it's a computer. Well, it's an HMI and that HMI is actually talking to that stuff in the other picture that have PLCs and drives and remote IO and weird switches that I had never seen before that aren't standard and layer two stuff. And so the thing to remember is now we've got all these different devices out there that are connected to your network. Well, there's no real standard. If you're going to do agents on these things for a PLC, well, there's no agent that you put on there that tells you about things. There's the HMIs. You don't want to put an agent on a lot of those HMIs. The vendors won't let you because it might slow the machine down. If it slows the machine down, it'll slow the communication through there. So you can't do that. And scanning, you don't want to scan these devices because the one that might not recognize what these devices are too, and most importantly, is it might affect the operation of the machine running. So OT needs to figure this stuff out. And this is why they don't have an inventory because usually those doors are closed when you walk into a manufacturing plant. A lot of times the SI just closes the door and says, well, they only open it for themselves and fix it. And the engineers are worried about what's coming in from one side of the machine and what it's cranking out on the other. So that's where that inventory, the methods and different worlds start colliding. Well, we still want inventory management. Let's talk a little bit. Well, how do you get inventory management? If I can't scan, you know, you don't want me scanning this stuff and it could be you know, disruptive and I can't load agents on this stuff. Well, how am I supposed to do inventory on these things? You started touching on it, what we do, which is we do this and it's so, so important it is that visual inspection of this, but matching it up to something. Why don't you expand on that and how to get the inventory management of this stuff? 
Ideally, when we go in, it's not only just a visual inspection and assessment, but we're also putting in passive intrusion detection systems built for this space, OT IDS tools. And there's a bunch of them out there, some better than others. And we work with all of them, and, and we know which ones are the top tier OT IDS platforms to be able to extract as much information out of this environment as we can while we're on site. And the goal is... What am I seeing visually and inspecting and what is my tool picking up? So I can find my gap, the gap being what's missing. Why am I not seeing these IP addresses? Why am I not seeing these PLCs? Why am I not seeing these HMIs? Why am I not seeing these drives, et cetera? So then we can determine, okay, next steps. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And now we got to look at, is there something within the, the infrastructure that I can bring a sensor into the space? There's other tools that I can run on the HMI that are executables. They're not scanning tools, but these are tools that provide rich information in regards to information around that HMI, the software that's running on it, who its neighbors are, what patch level it's at. So that's really key. So we can determine the risk mitigation and vulnerability status of that box. So those are the methodologies to go through and find these things. You got to know what you're looking at. Sometimes yeah, you got to trace oh, yeah. these cables down. We have to. I want to touch on something that, again. Coming from that IT perspective, the things that kind of hit me that helped turn the lights on early on in my conversion process. I've said it before, I consider myself a bit of a converted OT guy, but like almost an ex-smoker here where I'm going to be vigilant about this. But one of the things that really turned it on and kind of surprised me take, coming from the IT perspective is how many networks you think we're looking at right there inside one panel. It was the realization that there can be multiple networks in the same panel. So whether you call them nested networks, the first I called them hidden networks, it could be referred to as either or. There's only usually only usually only one point that's connected up into your network, but there could be a couple of different networks for maybe for I/O control and another network for your interlocks and another network for data communication. Then above that, so you got three or four layers of networks before it's even visible to the actual network or the customer network that is connected to. So that's that's a realization, and that's. To me, as an IT guy, that was a realization. Well, how in the world do you get down there, right? I mean, I'm used to having a network, and my network guy can get me anywhere in my network as long as I have authority. Well, that's not the case when you get here. Those panels might have three or four of their own networks. And if you've got five machines, well, multiply that by another three or four. Maybe you got five, ten machines. You get another 15, 20 separate little networks running around below your network, attached to your network that you have no visibility for. And you can't get through. You can't get through your own network. So your network guy is stopping at the door. To me, it was a huge realization. Another reason why is why engineers, they don't have that. But you touched on, now you got to get visibility down there. So that's a big thing. And then you got to use the passive method at first because you don't want to disrupt. Those are very sensitive. Sensitivity to the network communications are very, very important down in these machines. They are. The cycle times can be very tight tolerances in order for machines to communicate in a timely manner to make sure that if you're moving 2,000 cans a minute through your filler, you don't have a whole lot of time for network to stop. Or if you have an AGV, an automated guided vehicle that's moving on the floor, moving 5,000 pounds of material, if it loses communications, it's going to stop. That's the safety measure. It just can't keep wandering around because it can't talk to anything. It's going to stop if it loses comms. We find IT scanning these networks all the time. 
with these intrusion detection tools that we put out there. And many of them still think it's okay. IT still thinks that's just a normal way of doing it. We've always done it without even realizing how disruptive that they're being to their manufacturing partners in the plant. From an IT perspective, you send so much time and energy forward facing to the internet trying to protect it. And we'll go out there and find all these back doors into this stuff coming right into your plant, getting right <laughs> onto your customer network from the other side. So how do you solve this problem? Because I would argue that a lot of IT organizations don't want to go do this work. I see it too much. I see the contractors and the consultants and the partners that they work with, the staffs that they have. Just to my point, they walk right up to that plant floor and they stop because they don't want to go out there and do this too. You got to have to work around downtime to do a lot of this work. You can't get into a 480 volt panel while it's powered up. Sometimes, one, you can't even open the doors in most cases to even get in there, right? Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> right? I don't want to be wearing the mask and what do they call it? Arc, arc protection arc, or arc training? Yeah, it looks like right. a bomb suit. Right, right. I'm like, turn that thing off, man. I'm not far. I get close to it. So they're, they're going to throw this lever down right here, this red lever. They're going to power it down. They're going to lock it so nobody can come by and push it up yeah, hang on while that, you're that, in that, here. Yeah, that moment, this is something, if you're an IT guy and you, you're finding this of interest and you want to talk to your OT guys, learn about lockout tag out. This is very yes. important. They've got engineers. And de-energizing. In the front, yeah, de-energizing, lockout tag. But lockout tag is very, very important. They probably do a whole session on that. There's probably, if you go out in the engineering fields, they'll tell you if you know somebody that's working as a controls engineer, anything on a plant floor. Like I said, I got family that's doing this. And lockout tag, if you don't understand it, they don't want you on the floor. I want to touch on something, Dino. There's a lot in here. There's a big, a lot to unwrap. And you showed all these different devices out there. And this is why it's like, well, if I can't even recognize that stuff, and we should say it's difficult for OT people that have seen the stuff before recognize some of these things because the switch might not look like a switch and they might have a machine over here and the same vendor provide them another machine, but they're using a different switching device and a new model of uh, PLC. So even inside same machines, those devices, but on top of that, you touched on the passive, and I want to explore that a little bit because IDS does DPI, which is deep packet inspection. This is where I want to get when we talk about the OT protocols and a big difference here. So IT's out there and they've got their inventory management and they're scanning and they get one level of information. And, and then there's also the agents that they put on that they get that real detail piece of information. But in OT, we're saying, don't do that, man. Don't do that. You've got to be careful. You've got to have a plan. So well, how am I ever going to get the information I need? The IPs, the Macs, the models, the software, inventory, the versions, plus know firmware. that. Yeah, firmware. Plus know that it's a PLC or it's remote IO or it's a card on one of these devices. How do I get this out? And this gets to the OT protocols. If we're dealing with DPI, and DPI just essentially, for those that are Googling this off the side, some probably already know, DPI is taking that communication that's going back and forth and breaking apart the actual messages that are being sent across. As I got into it, IT protocols have some of that, you know, oh, well, this communication is probably, it's a Windows box, or this one's an Apple OS, but it doesn't tell you the version. You get in some of these OT protocols, it tells you who you are. So if I'm calling Dino and I'm a Windows machine and I'm using Windows protocol, hey, Dino, it's me. 
and I'm a Windows machine. That's in the messaging. But on the OT side, every time I talk to Dino, I'm telling him my phone number. I'm telling him how old I am. Every communication, I'm telling him my address. I'm divulging this in the communication. So this is where it becomes something that the IT group needs to understand if they're trying to help the OT group out. That information is in the passive. It's not all in the passive, but there's a big chunk of it that's going to tell you, hey, I'm a PLC. This is my vendor, which you get from Max out there, but it's going to tell you your firmware version. It's going to tell serial you number. serial numbers. So you're going to get some pretty darn powerful information from these devices. But again, you can't use the IT stuff. You can't use the IT methods. It has to be purpose-built for the OT world to be able to dissect those OT protocols and retrieve as much information and knowledge about that, that starts feeding the asset inventory that we're all looking for, right? Yeah. And you also have to consider just because if you got 25, 30, 50 plants in your fleet and you go to one plant, this one, for example, it makes what it makes and you got another plant that's very similar and makes very similar products, don't assume that they're identical. Right. They're not. They're of different <laughs> eras. The vintages of the equipment that they have is going to be different. The control system, you might be Rockwell in one side of the plant and Siemens in another plant, back off on another side of the plant, and you get to another plant and they're using Yosagua and Mitsubishi and Siemens, right? And it's always a splattering of stuff. It's not a consistent standard platform. And those machines will look exactly like each other until you open up the panels and see what's in it. Well, we bought that one and then now we got a lot of business going on on it. So we bought the same machine from them two years later because we wanted to increase production and then you open up the panels and like you said it's like well it's not the same here when you open up the panel i didn't they've been metal they've both been metal but what's inside of them are using different technologies that have been the metal Right. We find that all the time. They'll say, well, we've got five machines. Here they are. They're ABC. They're five machines. You just need to look in one of them because they're all the same thing. They're doing the same thing. And we're like, no, we need to open them up. And they could be configured differently on the innards. We've seen it just with the HMIs are different software versions just on the same machine. And probably the operators that work them can move from one machine center to the next machine center. And they love that on the plant floor. But when you start opening up, those innards are different. The assets are different. Therefore, the asset management becomes that much more important and valuable. And as valuable as for those OT guys, man, they're surprised when they realize this can be done. They need help. They don't have the bandwidth or the resources, the budget, the executive teams. They're leaning on IT to solve and fix and lead this. It's just unfortunate that they can't. They just can't because you have to make a conscientious decision as a CISO or a CIO that I want my people working out on that plant floor. I got 40 plants in my fleet. You guys are going to be out there for the next year because it's how long it's going to take you to get through these plants and work around their shutdown windows to begin to get into this environment, to put these tools in and start doing this work. Right. And then working with those OT guys, how are you doing your PLC backups? How are you doing that today? Where you put that data at? I mean, when you walk around and open up cabinets and you see thumb drives, flash drives, stuck in the PLC, hanging on a hook inside the cabinet, sitting on top of the cabinet, sitting on top of the rack. And someone's drawers. Well, I mean, desk drawers, right. not their... So it's just the vulnerabilities that are just out there tenfold compared to the problems to IT. Imagine your data center, you walk into your data center and you found a cradle point modem sitting right in the middle of your data center hooked up to your key critical assets. No, that never happens. No, that never happens, Tina. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, think about the control. 
But you have to get in and out of the data center and how they do that, even to get into certain cabinets. It's very structured, very secure, very controlled environment. You could have 100 people walk through your plant floor in a month. Right, right. And as the plant manager told us last week, he's got people from all over the world every day, all day, basically breaking into his plant and messing with his control systems under the machines that he's using to make the products he's making. Yeah, and this is so important, too, from the visibility. I had a call this morning. We were working with a client, another client, and on the data side, with the tool side, we're saying, hey, let's track down this device. What's it doing? It's not behaving normally that's in your environment. And this is with, I think, let's just call him a production engineer, right? And we do a little research with him on. He's like, well, it's not on my list. I don't know what it's doing. And we were able to pull the model number off of that. And lo and behold, it's a router, Wi-Fi with VPN connectivity, probably about twice as big as an iPhone. Could be tucked anywhere. OEM probably left it somewhere. OEM probably has access through that. He has no idea. He's like, I don't even know where to begin. The guy may have been on the job for six months or six weeks. So he hasn't even got a chance to get his hands around what's going on in that facility and no documentation. Yeah. The double whammy. Yeah. So there's this device that's on the network, plugged into the network that we identified. And now we're going to be going through this investigation and going, okay, what do we know? Where is it at? How can we locate it? Maybe what switch is it? Track the wire down. Where's this little thing plugged in? We're working with the local OT and their IT was on the phone as we're pulling the resources and figuring out what data we have. But that goes to the importance of trying to tie that visual inspection back up to the data and the combination of these tools to get the proper inventory management. This was a net outlier. We're like, well, it's showing up over here, but we didn't see it here. So this thing's probably tucked away somewhere. But that's something we helped the team. I mean, in order to get to that, we had to work with them. We're like, hey, we know you've got this process area and cell and it's doing this and this process area and cell. Well, now over the past month, this thing popped up and it doesn't look normal, but that's something that we can't do on our own. And that's what we bring to the table in these situations because we're bringing all this stuff together. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of panels just in a few years doing this, but it's the importance of that going out and said, hey, IT network security guys, let's talk. Hey, controls engineers guys, let's talk. Hey, let's actually get your maintenance managers and let us get in there. Hey, let's put our tools together. Let's let's bring all this way. It takes a lot of effort, but I mean, it can be done. That's how we're seeing success to get to the OT inventory. When you say that, Dino? Yeah, it's relevant. I mean, you should think about if you're an IT executive, you should be asking your networking team if they know what a PLC is or an HMI. And how many types do we have? What are we using them for? And if they don't know that information, then they're going to have to go seek it. Right. And they're going to have to go talk to their colleagues over there on that concrete floor that work with that stuff every day and teach them. Because you're not going to teach the OT guy to be a cybersecurity professional, right? He's right. not going to be the right. firewall guy. He's not going to be the networking guru. But what he knows is what that machine does and what the components are that are in it to make whatever that product is that that machine does. Right. You need to understand the process because process integrity is also a key component. It's not always just cybersecurity related. The asset inventories are relevant so you can assist with process integrity because outside of safety being job one, the other thing that those people in the plan are trying to do is reduce unplanned, unscheduled downtime because if they have that, 
your company's losing money. Right. And that, and that doesn't right. even fall into the cybersecurity scope. But these right. tools can assist in that. So you can win on both sides. We do this process all the time, whether we're going through our asset inventory visibility study or whether we're actually doing uh, deployment and management of these systems. That's kind of step one to get eyes on this thing. And it's not eyes on glass. It's eyes on floor. You did mention, though, when you were saying, hey, come out to the concrete, I was going to say just <laughs> you need to ask that question if you can't come up with do you have a plcs do you know how many are out there hmis and we've used that term a few times is the human machine interface which is generally a windows type machine or a tablet of some sort that's out there it's very common windows and it's usually old and it's always not patched and there's likely no antivirus so those of you on the it that are freaking out going oh i didn't know i have these you got them on your network they're just below you can't see them but you got to say okay before I send them out on the floor, look through the window. You store in your open toe shoes and you don't have the steel shoes to walk on and you don't want to walk out unless you understand things like lockout, tag out from a safety perspective, but start the conversation. Well, we had a partner last week and she wanted to get out on the plant floor. She comes from the IT side. Within the first two days of working with us, she'd already went out and bought a pair of safety shoes. That's right, 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 right. <laughs> because she had to wear somebody else's uh, and she didn't like them and she hated them. They weren't pretty they enough were for ugly. Yeah, they were ugly. Yeah. They were bad. So she had to go get her own. I would have done did. the same thing, yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> called her so... boss up and said, hey, if I'm going to go do this work, I need safety shoes. Uh, yeah. And, of course, and Velta comped her up the hard hat. So we're sending her hard hat All safety right. glasses. Oh, well, we're swell guys like that, aren't yeah, we? We yeah. are. Yeah. So because <laughs> her plan with her clients is that's her mode now. She wants to get out there on that plant floor to see what they got. Yeah. Right. No, no, that's merging two worlds. While there's similar technologies, there's definitely different techniques. You got to be conscious of it. I've said it before. I always say, hey, look, from the IT world, you're used to dealing with digital systems that control digital outcomes. And here we're dealing with digital systems that control physical outcomes. So the rules are different. And work with those people. Yeah. Yeah. Don't rely on consultants who don't work on the plant floor. (laughs) Right. You know, I used to be one, man. I used to be right. that guy. To me, that, that's, that's the gist. Of I don't want to get my suit coat dirty. You know, <laughs> if you're talking to somebody who's selling this technology and deploying it and getting it up and running and making it do what it's supposed to do are two different things. Yeah. So the only way to be successful with it is IT and OT most definitely has to work together. Yeah. With yeah. The, unquestionably, they do. And it can't be a one-sided gig. But don't be disappointed if OT gets going on it, because they will. We got they're, clients they're, for the yeah, OT. Yeah. There's OT guys that are like, I got it. I'm on uh-huh. my own. I'll, I'll run. I got my money. Yeah, I, got, right. I know who to work with. And they'll go run their own show. And some IT organizations are perfectly fine with that. Right. Because they don't, They. it's like, that's good. You're There's good. nothing wrong right? with that. <laughs> the only thing that's wrong with that is if nothing gets done, right? If nobody's doing anything. And that's probably our cue to kind of wrap this thing up and say, well, hey, listen to this. Hopefully there are some people stuck around and getting some value out of this. My perspective is a wrap up on this is understand that it's different. And that's really about it. I think if somebody's listened to it, they know it's different and they're hoping to find some nuggets here 
to do. But if they were to say, well, what now? They just listen to these knuckleheads and where do I go? And I'm going to say, go forward. You got to start it. If you're not starting it, get better and go to OT Asset Management. We'd always love if you want to call us and ask us what we think and how to do it. We're more than happy with it, but do something, whether it's calling your engineering department, whether it's calling your trusted advisor and your vendors, whether they're on the IT side, whether it's calling that your trusted SI guys. And quite frankly, you call them, they might call us in the background, but you know, start with who you know and who you trust, but get something moving because this is going to be a long journey. And it's just, Dino was touched on some things just to get down to this space, just to get in there and to do the things that you need to do to get a real OT asset visibility that it may take time and go, okay, well, we got a project slated for next month. What are you going to do? guys in plan go, well, you got to wait till shutdown. That's six months from now. So those are things in my wrap up. I'll give you a minute. You know, my wrap up of this is get it moving. And if you are starting to get it moving, get better at it. Because believe me, phase one is phase one and there's phase two, three and four. And we haven't seen the end of it. Here's what I would say. If you've already got an OT IDS platform and IT, if you've procured it and installed it, are you working with your OT teams? Are you giving them reporting? Are you giving them information you're uncovering and finding in that environment? Because sometimes we find IT has gone down this path to check a box and said, hey, we've done something. We're moving forward. That's a great point. But then we'll turn around and ask the engineering team. It's like, so are you getting any data from them? And the answer is no, they don't share anything. It's like cloak and dagger. It's (laughs) like, well, why is that? The tool is not for you, IT. It is not your tool. It's for the OT people. Can't we all just get along, Dina? Yeah, just, you know, share is what I would say. And the other thing that I would say is you need to begin the process. If a plant tells you, oh, you can't come in for six months, you know, we're not having them shut down until July 4th. Eh, don't believe them. They got maintenance <laughs> windows. Right? Things, things they just don't shut want down, you slow down. There's blind <laughs> right, changes. There, right. There's that. That's, you got to think local, right? right. But you got to be in there to recognize it's like, hey, this shift, those five machines out there are going to be offline because they got to do some some maintenance on them. They right. got to repair belts or chains or put a motor in one. Right, them. right. That's when you zing in and go do your thing, right? So don't necessarily listen to them when they're telling you, yeah, come yeah. back in six months <laughs> or around the holidays. There's opportunity in there to go do this work. Trust me, there is. But you got to be close to them in order to find those windows. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not moving and you're not doing anything, you got to remember the risk are out there. All these cyber risks are out there 24 by 7. They're going to keep trying. So if you're not moving forward with anything, you're not getting better and they're going to keep trying. You're going to be a victim. Yeah. So, All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, everybody. Till next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Podcast. To stay up to date with our latest episodes, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button now. And if you found this podcast helpful or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave us a review or let us know. If you're interested in learning more about Velta technology and how you can get safer sooner, visit veltatech.com. That's V-E-L-T-A tech.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.